Welcome, one and all, to episode 191 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we're back, at least for one week, uh, because who knows what I'll be doing this time next week. Uh, but we have, we're back and, and going to try to get two shows to you this week and and get going again. And before we do that, uh, how's life, man? It's busy, man. Uh, Seth and I were talking off the air. I got two, uh, two kids now playing soccer. I was joking we're going to change this to a, a youth soccer program, but we're not really going to. But we can't promise that we'll have a free show every week, but we will have a show on Patreon every week. So if you haven't already done that, please subscribe. It's two bucks a month for the audio podcast that we post weekly, and we'll get a couple articles out uh, hopefully per week for the top tier which is the generational tier and that's four bucks a month but if you just want to listen to us and you want to guarantee yourself that we'll be on the air that week it's going to be the two dollar tier and we're going to try really hard to do two shows a week as we did all throughout the last couple of seasons um we've done now over what seth over Almost three. We've done over three hundred shows between these uh, two outlets, between iTunes, Patreon, and the old Draft Breakdown site. So we've been at this for a long time, and that doesn't even count our Draft Savages days or whatever we called it before that. Right, and yeah, it's been busy. And like we said uh, last week, if you're not a patron, uh, I actually am going under the knife on Thursday. Uh, so. I should be good to go by Monday, but you know, you know. I think know it would be a surgery. good show for you to be doped up. Um, <laughs> certainly, we've both been drinking on the show before, so it's not <laughs> like it would be uncharted waters. Yeah, anesthesia uh, podcast might be a lot. I mean, it probably be it probably be our highest rated. It probably also be our last one. <laughs> it might. It might be. It might be the <laughs> end of the show. But uh, yeah, we're going with the big boys this week, and and, and we should uh, tell everybody we've done we've previewed every Power Five, uh, uh, every Power Five conference plus a group of five between uh, Patreon and iTunes. So again, uh, I, and I think I'll probably go ahead and release all the um, the previews that we've done so far on Patreon and make them available to the public. So check out our Patreon this week anyway, even if you don't want to subscribe and you get to listen to those shows because I'll make them, I'll open them up after this, after we tape this and that way everybody can go back and listen to what we said. Some of it might not still be timely, but a lot of it's pretty general. We're just talking prospects. So it, it'll be probably worth a listen either way. And we start with the SEC, and, and they're still in the East and West, and and so, um, you know, we can do this one of two ways, and I think the easiest way to do it is just start with the East because that's the less interesting of the two, wouldn't you say? Sure. So we'll start at the bottom. Good old Vandy. <laughs> um, it's hard to say this is the less interesting conference or, or uh, division when they have Georgia and Tennessee, but yeah, let's go ahead. Well, I just mean we're all pretty much assuming that Georgia's going to win this thing again. Yeah, in the, yeah. In the East, we'll circle and, back to that. And and Vandy, you know, we can make fun of them, but they did win five games last year, which is a you know huge improvement for them. I honestly didn't know that. Yeah, they. Uh, you know, they have not been to a bowl game since Derek Mason was there in 2018. Um, obviously, before that, their most successful run was under James Franklin, where 
he went to three bowl games and had them in the top 25 his final two seasons, um, which is absurd for Vandy, right? Like, that's Vandy. <laughs> that's Vandy's, why he's at Penn State now. Right. Vandy's like Duke more than it is like um, Stanford, wouldn't you say? Although Stanford's obviously fallen on some hard times now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the who's the top guy that's come out of Vandy in the last uh, 30 years? It's got it's Jay Cutler and yeah, it's probably no be. one else. Yeah, and so it's just tough, and, and it's just, you know, you, when you add to it that um, they play in the SEC, it makes it really difficult to compete because you're talking about high academic standards. Then you're talking about... When do schools compete? like Vandy and Duke and Stanford like form their own, and Notre Dame, like form right. their own conference? Right, like the the kids that are going to be your boss one day the academic conference. five or something yeah northwestern throw that in there yeah exactly there you go we got all five we're ready to go um and you know it's interesting because i would say the best the the best player of the last decade has to be uh zach cunningham from that program um you know and, and cunningham has had a good career um you know, in the NFL, he, you know, he's been fine. Uh, I wouldn't say he was as good as his draft pick. Cause I think he went in the second round and he had, you know, he had a decent year three and four, but yeah. like has, has struggled a little bit. Linebackers you know, tough, you know, <clears throat> they have a lot of ups and downs, kind of like defensive backs, but if you can still run and hit somebody will sign you. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's Jay Cutler with a bullet, and then from there it's like you know you you go down the list, and Casey Hayward was not bad, um, and then you know like I said Cunningham, but it goes it goes away pretty quick. Uh, but they do have one guy to know this year, and that's uh, Will Shepard. He's a wide receiver. Vandy's one of those schools that you really don't get early entry guys either, right? Like they're not coming or they're not leaving vandy early not um, usually no if they're if they're leaving vandy it's probably to uh <laughs> go to a different school right they, <laughs> nowadays they yeah. probably already graduated regardless right and yeah. so you know you look at it uh shepherd's a guy that had uh 60 receptions 776 yards and nine touchdowns last year uh you know he comes into this year again i He's a he's a good sized guy. He is a he is a senior. I don't know what eligibility looks like because he was a he was a freshman in, in COVID twenty twenty. Um, so he but, would he would definitely have another year if he wants it. Okay. And, yeah. And to be fair, the last two years he's had one hundred and three receptions for uh, thirteen hundred and fifty three yards and thirteen touchdowns. I mean that's not bad production from a Vanderbilt wide receiver when yeah. we're talking about Vanderbilt, <laughs> you know, cause he's, he's supposed to be six, three, 200, uh, sub four five guy, but still most sites that you look at now would say he's a late day three guy. Yeah. And that, that makes sense from there. We go to the ever interesting Mizzou. Mizzou. One of the best defenses in the sec with just a uh just a I, 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 
guess we're on the free show, so crap show of an offense. <laughs> um, you know, they they didn't perform poorly last year. They made a bowl game. They lost to Wake Forest in the Gasparilla Bowl. Um, and, and, and so now, you know, it's kind of figuring out in year five of, of Eli uh, Drinkwitz if he's you know this is one of those programs like is six and seven the best that they can do right yeah i mean yeah that's it's and i want to say drinkwitz sounds like a simpsons character that sits next to barney at moe's but i've always uh you know and our buddy sully who's always always does the offensive line preview with us hopefully that continues again this year but he's always uh talking smack about mizzou (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and I mean, it's tough, man. Uh, the, so they brought in a former four or five star guy in, uh, was it Jared Garcia? I don't remember. Anyways, he was from Miami. And they're going into the first game and they're going to play fourth year senior Brady Cook, and, <laughs> who's been in the program for four years, um, had career highs last year 2,700 yards, 14 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Um, to and Sam Horn, who is a, a sophomore, uh, who threw two pass attempts last year. That's that's all he did. Um, <laughs> You're thinking of Jake Garcia, by the way. Jake Garcia. Sorry, I, I knew the last name was Garcia. I knew it started with the J. I could not remember anything else after that. And he was so, a pretty big recruit, but yeah, surprising that he he transfers in and can't seize that starting job. But I mean, I watched Cook and uh, placed a couple prop bets on him here and there. He wasn't, he wasn't like super bad or anything like that. It's just he's he's not a really translatable pro prospect, I don't think. And their best uh, their best receiver now is in Georgia, which is you know always tough <laughs> when you lose your leading receiver to the best team in the. Who they lose? Dominic Lovett. Oh okay. So he he. Do they still have Luther Burden now? Yes, but he's only a sophomore. sophomore. Right. Yep. We're not going to talk about him. So he's going to be a guy to know uh, next year, probably, if he w- when he transfers to Alabama uh, <laughs> or Georgia. Ohio so, State. Yeah. Well, well no, no, they, they, they already have in. too many receivers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they do have a couple interesting um, defensive players. One's Tyrone Hooper, uh, 6'2", 230-pound linebacker. I think it's Hopper. Hopper, sorry, sorry, yep. Hopper. Uh, he is in his fifth year, his second year with Missouri. Uh, he was a Florida recruit, so, you know, obviously one of those highly recruited guys that didn't work out, so now he's over there. But he had a really nice year. Yeah, he played well last year. You know, and, and I'll go back even. He had a nice year at Florida his sophomore year, 62 tackles, eight tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, two passes, defense, and a forced fumble. Then last year he backs it up in, at Mizzou. Did he transfer so he, because of the coaching change? I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. sounds like it. And then, you know, backs it up with 77 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, an interception, and four passes defense in a forced fumble. You know, Mizzou does a good job of producing a linebacker prospect, you know, every Depending game. on who you talk to, right? Well, I mean, we were not high on Nick Bolton. and Well, okay, <laughs> I, I should say a draftable linebacker. But Bolton, <laughs> Bolton, like, put up numbers. But if you talk to Chiefs fans, they – they think he needs to be replaced immediately. 
Yeah, and then they have a box safety, Martez Manuel, who's going to be a uh, a senior this year, a second time senior this year, um, and you know he's more, much more of a box safety. Although in his sophomore junior year, he did have uh, eight passes defensed and a and an interception. But last year, he had ten tackles for loss and four sacks. Yeah. So like, <laughs> you know, again, that's a Greg Williams safety. Right, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how this works out. I got to mention, too, Chris Abrams drained a cornerback. I don't know um, if you had a chance to look at him, but uh, he's a guy. He had three picks when he was a sophomore and uh, two years ago. Three picks, seven passes defense. Last year, uh, no interceptions, but 14 pass breakups. He's an undersized guy, kind of projects like a slot guy, I would say. Um, but he's um, – they list him at 5'11", about 180 pounds. But he's probably going to be one of those guys that, that people look at as a slot. But he's productive um, and a player that I think – some people think he's a day two prospect right now. The Florida Gators are next. So, again, we're going from 7 to 1. Florida at 5 feels wrong, doesn't it? Well, I'm sure to their fans it does. Uh, they're, you know, again, a team kind of in flux. Billy Napier is kind of trying to get his guys in there, right? Uh, which means Wisconsin transfer Graham Mertz is the starting quarterback. Interesting choice. I mean, I think I, I, I'll never forget Mertz's first start for Wisconsin. He threw five touchdown passes. And um, and then it felt like he threw five touchdowns the rest of his I career. I think he threw four the rest of the year, actually. I don't remember <laughs> – Exactly, but I remember people tweeting like, oh, this guy's a first-round pick, this guy's a first-round pick. Uh, Mertz is not even – if you go to like NFL Draft Buzz, which is a great site, and Seth and I re- refer to it often, but they don't even really have Mertz listed as a draft prospect. And I think that Mertz is going to start the year, but I'm not so sure he's going to finish the year no. as, as a starting quarterback. They still have Jack Miller there. Buckeye transfer, Arizona kid. Um, <clears throat> he didn't didn't fare too well so far in his chances, but um, still a guy who you know they might go to if Mertz struggles, and Mertz has struggled at times. And I I think he's a really talented guy. I really do think Graham Mertz is talented, but he has not put it together uh, from the standpoint of like reading defenses. Um, being on time with his throws and that kind of thing. Like he has arm talent. He can run, but he also has uh, struggled a lot with turnovers. They have uh, two interesting offensive weapons returning. Uh, Their leading receiver was Ricky Persall. He's a fifth year receiver transferred from Arizona state. Um, Classic kind of, possession white guy receiver right <laughs> lunch pail guy first yeah. in first out first I mean, in last out coach the, cra- the crazy thing with him was 33 receptions for 661 yards so 20 yards a catch five touchdowns um he also had 113 rushing yards on eight carries so over 14 yards so he averaged 19 yards per touch and had six touchdowns last year um we know napier comes from uh U- university of louisiana lafayette ULL, Raging Cajuns, right? Um, they get creative with their running game. They also return their running back, uh, Montreal Johnson, 5'11", 200 pounds. He had a, a 
good two years. He was at Louisiana, um, and then obviously came over with Napier last year. He had 838 yards as a freshman at Louisiana, and then eight, followed it up in the SEC with 841 yards. Um, you know, that's impressive to me when you consider the fact that, yeah, it's only five and a half yards per carry. We like to see it a little bit higher, but that wasn't a good offense. Five and a half I, yards a carry is solid for especially SEC. Especially SEC, yeah. well, a sophomore in the SEC. And 10 touchdowns. Right. And, and ULL, uh, Louisiana, has produced – some good running backs. I mean, I know Elijah McGuire didn't exactly work out, but he was a really good college running back. So if you're looking at Montreal Johnson, and you're looking at him in the day three range, fourth, fifth round, he's going to be a good player. Yeah, and um, then they, they have two uh, defensive players we need to talk about as right. well. Uh, I'll take a stab at this, but <laughs> Princely Umanamillion. Uh, I think that's six, right. 6'4", 260 pounds. You know, the classic kind of tweener defensive line that we see come out of uh, out of Florida quite a bit, right? Yeah, uh, right. Nine and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks last year. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, depending on what he comes in at weight-wise and everything, they're probably looking at, what, a... a, a mid to late day two early day three type of guy kind of you know he's not he's not Gervin Dexter who's six six and 310 pounds right like right, he's, he's kind of like those pass rushers they had a couple of years ago that came out I don't um off the top of my head I don't remember their names but they didn't end up hitting uh, and that's why I don't remember but uh, he's kind of built like that uh, a little taller um I've seen him listed at six five as well uh, but yeah I mean this is a guy, uh, Princely, whatever you said. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah, he's projected as a day two guy. Um, the other guy's your guy, right? Uh, one of your guys that uh, you tabbed to watch early on when we got into the 2024 cycle, and that's Jason Marshall Jr., the cornerback. Yeah, uh, you know, a guy that he he's just been good over the two years in the SEC. Um, is he fast enough? Because cor- Florida corners have been slow. Yeah, they have been. It, you know, it's it's always tough because you can only go off of what their their numbers were. He's a four or five guy at the at the opening. Um, you know, at at six foot and uh, one hundred ninety eight pounds, mm-hmm. so six one one ninety eight. You'd hope he improves from his yeah, high school time, but you and, don't know. And, yeah, you never know, and and you know what's interesting is that. Florida hasn't produced the athletic freaks that they used to, right? No, so, not at all. Maybe so, Napier can change that. He's only had a couple of years, uh, or only one year, right, so far? Right, right. So we'll see how that works out. But, you know, Marshall Jr. last year, uh, eight passes defensed and an interception in, in 13 games. Uh, you know, teams kind of shied away from him. He's a guy, like, he is a guy that that profiles as a, as a potential corner one. Um, right now, I think he he falls more in that like late day one, early day two range. Yeah. Um, if he does well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Especially if he he's got to run, like you said, he's got to be sub four four five. Yeah. At this I, point. I just keep thinking of Lucia's Purefoy. He comes out ran, ran like a four seven, right? Right. <laughs> and uh, you know that was a guy who was in those way too early first round mocks, and you know I don't think Marshall's going to run like that, but I think his appeal right now is his size. 
but we want to see some more uh, on-ball production. Next on the list is is South Carolina, and you know Spencer Rattler is going to give it another go. Um, he had, ironically, he only had his second best year as a starter in college, which is. But he had his best game. He threw six touchdowns against Tennessee. In a big game, too. That, in a you know, huge game. That makes such a big difference. I think Rattler actually played well last year. I, no, I know he, that none, he, numbers he, he don't did. really reflect it, but that's a let, he, he dropped down. Even though he's going from Oklahoma to uh, South Carolina, it was a drop down in terms of the talent around him. And he started slow. He finished really strong. And I think people are, are back on him. Not not first round, right? But like this guy's got talent. Yeah, and, and they've got you know, they've got a guy in, in Antoine Juice Wells who is gonna be his go to guy, right? Sixty sixty eight catches, nine hundred and twenty eight yards, six right. touchdowns last year. And these uh, guys are both probably fourth round type of yeah. projections at this point. You know. Yeah, at this point, definitely right now. And, and you know, Shane Beamer's done an okay job um, getting kind of South Carolina back into into things. You know, it's his it's his third year there. He's got them to two bowl games. They finished 23rd in the country last year. Um, ironically, only a one-game improvement. <laughs> but, you know, the SEC, you get that. You get respect. Like a, right. Kind of like we talk about the quarterback bump all the time, right? Right. Uh, we call it the tax, right? The SEC the, the, tax. The SEC tax, like they went from seven and six to eight and five. Everybody they, they, respects the level of competition there. I mean, right. Big Ten gets a lot of respect too, um, but outside of those two conferences, you don't get that bump. Right, and it's going to be interesting because their defense is going to have to show some stuff this year. They lost Gilbert Edmond to Florida State, a guy we've talked about before. They do return. Uh, Tonka Hemingway, the 6'3", 300-pound interior defensive lineman. Uh, he had eight tackles for loss, four sacks last year. But, you know, Edmund was their leader with, you know, nine tackles for loss last year. Um, and they, they didn't they have the, the high recruit branch who transferred yes. to Oregon? Yes. He didn't – I mean, he didn't do much for SC, but – um, it's still, you know, when you get a recording or when you get a recruiting win that's that significant and you can't make yeah, you it work, that stinks. Say, you don't want to lose it. That's a big thing. Yeah, um, I like the tight end Trey Knox too. He's a uh, transfer from uh, Arkansas. Yeah, and then they. I do want to mention one more uh, defensive player, and that's Marcellus Dial. The, the you know, they, they play him at corner. I don't know if he projects more to a safety, but as a freshman. He had uh, six passes defensed, and then last year he had three interceptions and 12 passes defensed. So, like, he's a guy that has good on-ball production. You know, real big chance this year because they're expecting to put up points, right? So Yeah, he, I hope so. Chance. I mean, for, for Rattler's sake. And right. it sounds like, again, go back to him. It, he was a guy, he came in, he kind of a kid that had some – off-field stuff going on and now he seems to have matured and i think in a way it's been really beneficial to him to go through this transfer experience now going through some adversity yeah and, and kind of fail i mean and and me. he seems like he's like you know re-geared you know he's 
he's uh, got his head screwed on straight now. I'm interested to see what he does because he was he's a legitimately talented kid. A uh, guy can run and throw. He has a good arm, not great, but um, yeah, I think I think he's uh, going to be a player who can rise. And uh, if he gets that Jim Nagy endorsement, look out. Next is Kentucky. Uh, they have a familiar face from a different place, and that's, I, uh, this is exciting to me. Okay, not to cut you off, but oh no, I want to see. So Seth was about to say they're getting Devin Leary transferring in from NC State, and he's going to play in, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, the same offense that we just saw Will Levis play in and that a lot of people made. Did, did they um, get a new offensive coordinator? Yeah, they brought back the one from right The one Levis played with as a one. junior yeah, or as everybody, two years ago. Yeah, when everybody was like, oh, he's the guy, yeah. Let's and see how so, Leary does, because a few years ago, he really lit it up at NC State, dealt with injuries last year, regressed. He's more of a Brock Purdy type in terms of build and arm strength, but also getting the ball out quickly, being on time, being a leader. This is going to be an interesting thing. Can can Leary elevate Kentucky farther than Levis did? He's going to have to answer some questions with weapons mm-hmm. but the offensive line should give him or people chance. will make excuses about his weapons well and that's or but, does he get that does he right. get the benefit of those excuses but uh they have a couple draftable you know kind of day three linemen and J- jager burton and, and marquez cox um cox transferred in from northern illinois and is supposed to shore up that left tackle position so we'll see so that's know. a big ask Bringing a yeah. guy from the MAC from well, uh, to when, the SEC to shore up your offensive line, but when they you know when they transfer up like that and they're getting, um, yeah, it's a good signal. It's who was the kid uh, that that ended up at Oregon, wasn't it? Like somebody from Richmond or something like that, Rhode Island, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when they're it's interesting when they're transfers because he was you know he was looked at as a good transfer prospect coming out so we'll see we'll see how it all works out for him you know he came in at 65 and 280 and now he's they list him at 66 and 310 so if he's still moving well that would be a big win for him um and then they've got an interesting linebacker prospect on the defense in, in uh JJ Weaver but you know even even their high-level prospects haven't turned out exactly the way they wanted, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think it's their fault, though. I think it's a, no. a, the fault of the draft Knicks and the draft complex, right? Like, um, I think Josh Allen has been pretty good. But, but he wasn't like, yeah, top. Right. If you if you had reasonable expectations of these guys, then I think they do what you what you think they can do. But um, they, they built they overbuilt him. They oversold him, and so he then you view him in the lens of disappointment. But it's not fair for you to have too high of expectations and then be disappointed when a guy doesn't hit. It might be something that it might be you, not him. You know, and he had a down year last year. Um, 
when you look at kind of his production track in 2020 as a freshman six and a half tackles for loss just a half a sack and then he followed that up with a big sophomore year and i think people got excited about him ten and a half tackles for loss six and a half sacks two interceptions i mean that's a that's a really solid year and then to come back on a team that was hyped you know you got levis you got rodriguez you have those guys and he went back down to six tackles for loss and three sacks and if he didn't have that big sophomore year and and if he wasn't part of a team that was being like we said overhyped um you would still look at him as as a guy that would probably be an intriguing day three guy. Yeah. Instead, instead now you're saying like, all right, show me, you know, show me that 2021 guy and, and build off that again. I think he's still being looked at as a day three guy, and I think he still has an intriguing, you know, build, height, weight, speed. He's he's still supposed to be a, a sub four seven guy, and he's tall. He sh- he should have pretty long arms, you know, um, but. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to... The thing is, like, I don't think there's... I look at a guy like Andre Carter from Army, who was quite obviously not ever going to be a first-round pick, and he was showing up in way too early mocks, and then he ends up going undrafted. At least a guy like Weaver has measured expectations at this point. A lot of buzz about Joe Milton... The huh. new Tennessee quarterback, uh, you know, they list him at 6'5". He's supposed to be about 240 pounds. He's supposed to be a sub-4-8 guy. This is his, uh, like, seventh year. This is the year. And and he probably does have genuinely the strongest arm in college football. He does. I mean, he has a cannon. There's no – I can't even make fun of it. And, and Justin's not lying. This is his sixth year. He spent three years at Michigan. He threw a combined – 152 passes he's thrown 144 passes at tennessee in two years there um i think he got into a great situation with uh the vols where at michigan he was pressed into start as a redshirt freshman and now the last two years he's got to be the backup to hendon hooker and we've seen how that offense can really enhance a quarterback's value right well and we saw last year like to your point he, he I think he had 10, in, pit, 10, uh, 10 touchdowns, no picks, right? Yeah, he came Backing in. He, he improved his completion percentage to 65%. He was he was a career uh, 56% before that. Yeah. And if you he, watch him play, I mean, you got that cannon arm, but he is erratic. Yeah, but, I mean, he averaged over – he averaged almost 12 yards per attempt, which is just absurd. And at the end of the year, I'm not being a hater – at the end of the year, he was on point. Like, he really played well. And I see why people are excited about him because they saw what Hooker did in that offense. They saw what Milton did in spelling Hooker at the end of the year. And um, that's exciting to think about. But he's losing Jalen Hyatt and he's losing Cedric Tillman. That, those are big deals. Right. They do have a good receiver. Uh, USC transfer Brew McCoy, who who only, all he did last year was put up 52 receptions for 667 yards and four touchdowns. And so, he's like he went from USC to Texas to USC to Tennessee, right? Yeah, and he's and he said some legal issues too. He's a big dude as well, six three two twenty. Um, he I was a hot shot recruit. 
yeah, I think Tennessee is trying to create a, a size advantage with their skill players. Yeah. Um, but they've, you know, they've got an intriguing guy in Ramel Keaton who had 31 catches for 562 yards and five touchdowns. He's a, he's a fifth-year senior. Um, you know, he's going to get the Jalen Hyatt type of role, uh, so we'll see how that works for him. But they're going to lean heavily on Jalen Wright and Jabari Small, right? Like yeah. Small ran for 734 yards and 13 touchdowns last year. And then Wright ran for 875 yards and 10 touchdowns. Like, they're going to lean on these running backs and, and play action and try to get shots down the field with, like you said, Joe Milton's unreal arm strength. But to me, that's why I have a, tr- I have a problem seeing them overtake Georgia as the top team. Mm-hmm. You know, because for all of all – of, the intriguing things they have they have a they have a question at quarterback their best draft prospect might be uh the tight end mccallan castles um and you know we've seen in recent years when you're bringing in guys um there and like you said there is a reality that this offense is i don't want to say simplistic but it, it it's plays, friendly. It's yeah, it plays it plays to these stats looking probably better than than they are. And they use, they lose uh, Derek Wright, you know the stud offensive tackle, uh, but they gain a transfer in Dante Thornton, who's another really tall uh, receiver listed at six five one ninety nine, and another sub four five guy. He's coming from Oregon, so um, Tennessee should be a fun watch. I mean, I hate using the word fun because I, I always like cringe when draft next say this guy's a fun guy, but I say that and I say fun in the context of being a college football fan. Like it'll be fun to watch Tennessee play because they're going to put up points, and they've got some guys like you said. They've got some guys on on defense too. Can they hold off? the big dogs and we saw them play we saw them beat Bama and then we saw them lose to South Carolina game they should have won yeah and they got blown Uh, out you know and they return a couple guys Darren or Aaron Beasley uh 13 tackles for loss three sacks last year he's kind of the the new school linebacker hybrid at you know 6'1 220 and then Tyler Barron's the the guy on the defensive line at, at six five two sixty. Uh, he had six and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks last year. Followed up a, a good sophomore year where he had seven and four. Um, but you know they don't have anybody where you're like, oh, this is the guy. You know, even they lost Byron Young to the draft. They, they don't really have anybody that you're like this is the guy this year so we'll see how it all kind of plays out because they're they're really fun like like justin said but i just don't i don't know if they can take over this next team and that's georgia at number number one in the sec uh east right if they're gonna take over georgia it's this year right because you're getting this quarterback um you know you've gone from Having a steady hand in Stetson Bennett, regardless of what you thought of him as a as a prospect, and before Bennett they had uh, Fromm. They've always had this like steady hand at quarterback, 
And now you got this new starter. It's Carson Beck. He's a fourth-year junior, right? Yeah. And he's been on the field a little bit. He was a high recruit. And he's had some success in mop-up duty, but that's what it's been, mop-up duty. So, um, But he was named the starting quarterback timely for us, I guess, just today or a day ago. Yeah, just the other day. And um, But the big dog on this – and this Georgia team is Brock Bowers. Yeah, Brock Bowers is going to get all of the uh, like all people the are hype. saying he's a top ten pick. Yeah, and you know six four two hundred thirty pound. Is he two, be, is he a, is he legitimately a top ten pick? I mean, that's I, skinny I, tight end. He's. I mean, he's going to have to run a sub four five like he's. Can he block? Right? I mean, NFL teams good. care. Yeah, he's good enough uh, a blocker, but I don't. You know, it's not his strength, but right. The reality is the biggest question they're going to have on offense, and we have all these questions. You know, they have Lad McConkey coming back, fifty-eight receptions, seven hundred sixty-two yards, seven touchdowns. I'm Another, sur- I'm I'm an old man. I'm surprised he wasn't related to Phil McConkey, <laughs> but apparently that's a common question. He's not. And, but. and they added the top receiver from Mizzou, like we talked about, and Dominic Lovett. Um, but. You know, can Mike Bobo take over Todd Monken's offense? I mean, that's that's the question. So I think they would get in trouble. You know, God, I sound like a huge homer right now. I think they would get in trouble if they got into a game against like an Ohio State where where it was like a shootout. And last year they had the guns to pull it off. And this year I think it's going to be more what we saw a couple of years ago where Georgia is so heavily defensive slanted but that's kirby smart's bread and butter right well the the thing is with georgia this year is they have four guys along the offensive line that are draftable and they have some they have two stud cornerbacks and a stud defensive uh or and a stud defensive tackle yeah so they have amarius mims uh at tackle He's their top-rated like offensive line guy, but mm-hmm. Xavier Trust, their other one, is draftable as well. Then they have Cedric Van Pran, who's the top center in the draft at six four three ten, and then Tate Ratledge, who looks a lot like um, Landon Dickerson. I was gonna say Ben Cleveland, yeah, so but maybe not like quite as athletic. Yeah, so you know, just a, a mean. Sob in the middle of that offensive line, but their defense and, is so stacked. Seth, dude, Kwame yeah, Lassiter, Javon Bullard at, at, at defensive back. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, Kamari Lassiter. Yeah, and Nazir then uh, Stockhouse. Yeah, Nazir Stockhouse, and then uh, Smail Mondin, the linebacker. Yeah, well, and that's the crazy thing is like you've got seven returners on defense, like a, a defense that's already given almost every team problems. Right. Yeah, unless, had, unless you're Bama or Ohio State, you're having problems with that defense. Right. And you got to remember, too, they had two guys drafted in the first round last year and then another one drafted in the in the second round. So They're number one, right, in the AP? Yeah, they're yeah, number one. Rightfully right so. Two-time champs, back-to-back. I mean, I mean the, the reality is it's really, really hard to win uh, three national championships in a row. <laughs> yeah but if any team they're loaded put, if if any team's built to do it it would be georgia because like we said it's it's 
having four returning starters on the offensive line and then having seven returning starters on defense because then like justin said like if you can just keep games close you have everything you need to to keep it and then they have you know this will be a test for bowers because he is going to be the kind of big offensive weapon this year um and he was the often yeah he but they had they like you said with with stetson bennett he you know he was much more the ken dorsey type yep in terms of leading a great offense i mean he threw for over four thousand yards i mean let's not he had guys um over the years on the last two years not uh, he didn't have uh, Burton, Jermaine Burton. He transferred to Bama a couple of years ago, but he was there initially. And then you had George Pickens uh, a couple of years ago, although he was hurt. And Bennett was able to overcome that stuff, but it was largely because of Brock Bowers. Yeah. And, and know, their running game. I was going to say, too, because Kenny McIntosh and, and Dejon Edwards last year, and, and Edwards is back this year, obviously. Um, and then they've got a young guy in uh, – Kendall Milton and then Branson Robinson. Too, well, Kendall so. Milton, I think, is in his fourth year now. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's a senior. As but well. Branson and, Robinson, like you said, he who I think is a sophomore. Yeah, he's a sophomore, and mm-hmm. he'll he's got a chance to get a lot of touches this year. Too. But Georgia's just one of those teams. There's there's like four of them that they don't rebuild; they reload. A team that is once again rebuilding is Auburn, and it's kind of interesting to see how far they've fallen. Um, the last couple of years after you know looking like they got it right winning i mean it was a you know over a decade ago winning a natty but then you know hard they, to believe that was 2010 yeah with and, cam newton yeah then you look at it they've just they haven't been able to to really put things back together i mean malzahn after chiswick they lost in the in the championship game in 2013 you know they were good they were in the sugar bowl and the peach bowl and the you know and in good bowl games but they just i don't think they were happy with that nine and four nine you know nine ten win team every year they wanted they wanted to compete and they just could not compete with with bama and then georgia you know kind of overtook them as the as the second team um Right. So so now they're they get Hugh Freeze, who's you know a, a guy that's been in the SEC and had success and and failure, and then um, went to Liberty, had a lot of success. Well, his failure in the SEC was mostly personal, right? Um, you know, and they've got a couple intriguing guys this year, but I think it's going to be a year or two until they're. We're talking about them as, as highly draftable guys. I mean, Tank Bigsby left, and, and Jarquiz Hunter replaces him. Um, you know, he he averaged over six yards a carry as a so, as a freshman and sophomore. Now he gets the, the load now that Bigsby's gone. So is he a guy that can – I mean, over six yards a carry in the SEC, I don't care if it's only, you know, 90 rushes a season. That's, that's still impressive. He's uh, kind of on the small side. He's kind of built like James Cook from georgia yep. a couple of years ago um, and then defensively they got a couple intriguing guys uh dj james uh corner that's listed at six one but he's you they list him as a four six guy yeah speed questions and mm-hmm. then nehemiah pritchett 
182. He's at least a 4-4 guy. Yeah, he's so the faster how, one. That's a good thing to see. But the, you know, this is this is a team that they're they're picked to finish last in the in the West. Our old friend Peyton Thorne yeah. from Michigan State transfer is going to be their starting quarterback at least um, off the jump. So, and you know that's an interesting one because Thorne two years ago with Kenneth Walker and with Jaden Reed, he had a pretty big season for Michigan State, but last year was uh, an abject disaster for the Spartans, and Thorne was part like- of that. I feel like those um, – I know they're not mid-level, but, like, I feel like those programs like Auburn and Michigan State, whenever they give a coach a 10-year extension after the first year, you always see that play out, right? Like, yeah, you you see the roller coaster at best. Like, oh my, at it's best. like, oh, my God, year one, they went 11 and, and one, mm-hmm. and then year two, they go two and 10, and you're right. like, oh, crap. Um Mississippi State's next. Uh, obviously, obviously they return Will Rogers, which is you know he's one of the most prolific passers in SEC history. Um, but you've got a whole new team now. Yeah, right? and you've got a whole new. You don't have Mike with, Leach there. Rest in peace. Right. And, and so it's going to be tough. We'll we'll see how this all works out. I mean, Zach Arnett has this unenviable task of trying to. Uh, you know, replace a legend. He's obviously one and zero, and they won the the Relia Quest Bowl. But now it's it's time to go for real. And, and I mean, we're talking about a Mississippi State team that was twentieth in country, went nine and four last year, right? Like this is a this is a team that had some expectations. And like you said, they're just they're kind of in rebuild mode. My understanding too, Seth, is that they're not going with the air raid; they're changing the offense. Right. So how's that going to affect? That's going to be really interesting because Rogers, who didn't start as an air raid quarterback, but if I'm recalling correctly, became a very good one, and now he's got to learn a new offense. He might not be flinging it around as much. Um. I'm I'm curious to see what their offense is going to look like. It, it's going to be interesting. They do have two uh, six-year linebackers that led that defense, and obviously that defense has never been Mike Leach's, you know, forte. Um, although 40th in the country, not bad, 23.1 points per game. And they've, they've produced some really strong defensive backs. They they really Emmanuel have. Forbes and Martin Emerson coming out the last two years, um, those guys. Uh, I mean Forbes, we haven't seen in the NFL. Emerson played really well as a rookie. He was a third round pick for Cleveland, um, and I'm sure we expect big things from Forbes. He was a 16th overall pick. Yep, and you know when you look at it, the guys. On defense, Nathaniel Watson, 113 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, six sacks last year. And Jet Johnson, 115 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, two sacks. This is just, I mean, you hope that this all works out, but this is just, this is just tough. I mean, let's be honest. Like, it's a, it's still a gut punch that there's no Mike Leach in this, and and you know the Pirates gone, and I, I was surprised to see them 
picked ahead of Auburn, but I know that Auburn situation is pretty dire too. So, it, you know, it, it does kind of make sense. And I think the reason we start with the other division is because it seems more clear cut. Whereas this one, if you look at teams, let's say three through seven on this side, it's more jumbled. It could really, you could really see the deck get shuffled. And if we haven't already said it, for those of you listening, we're looking at the Athlon sports predictions as far as ranking these teams. These are not our, our personal rankings. Um, so I could see, you know, any, I could see Mississippi State or Auburn finishing in the top three or four of this division, depending on how things go. But number five, I'm really intrigued by. Uh, yeah, because I like this one. I've been waiting for this one. They've got two guys at running, a guy at running back and a guy at quarterback, and it just feels like they're being overlooked. Uh, that's Arkansas. You know, they finished um, they finished seven and six last year. I, I would say they slightly disappointed by the end of the season, right? They like, did. Yep. You know they they were in some games early. Um, started out three and zero, and then got to three and three and it just kind of you know they were a 500 team after that really uh, they had some big wins though right like you know they beat Ole Miss 42 27 and then and then they beat Kansas in one of the better bowl games 55 53 right so <laughs> yeah but I mean, but they had some when you say better like more exciting yeah right but they had some really head-scratching losses they lost to Mizzou twenty nine twenty seven. They lost to Liberty twenty one nineteen. Um, you know they lost to. They got blown out by Mississippi State forty to seventeen, which felt odd, right? Like, and then and then they had that loss to the 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 where it all started to spiral is when they lost to Texas A and M twenty three twenty one while they were sitting at three and zero, and you know it's a it's a neutral site game and they, they lose. Like that's just that's just tough. Um, well, KJ Jefferson, who I really uh, enjoy watching, and I think is completely underrated, and I think you agree with me, but he was banged up last year, and that led to some of those difficult losses. He missed a couple of games. Some of the games he came back and played in, he wasn't quite himself. I'm thinking of particularly the Liberty game. He didn't really look like himself. He threw two picks. This is a guy who really protects the ball well. Um, in his career, K.J. Jefferson has thrown 48 touchdowns in, against only 10 picks. And he's a player they rely on a lot for the running game, too. Over 600 yards each of the last two years. Uh, 19 career rushing touchdowns. But I think, you know, this was your question, but I'll throw it back on you. Why don't people talk more about K.J. Jefferson? And why why was he a player that was just like not even considered for an early entry last year, considering the players that were hyped up? You know, it's always a fair question. I think, you know, he again kinda like you said, banged up but a little underachieving last year. Um they had some fumbles. I mean Yeah. But he he protects the ball well as a passer. Does he not have that strong of an arm? I think he has a good enough arm. I, mean, I think I so, think. too. So I'm really confused by this. I, I don't get why Will Levis gets hype and KJ does not. But, you know, he's he's going to 
have get a lot of attention from or off of him because Raheem Sanders is back and one of the better running backs in college football, over fourteen hundred yards and ten touchdowns last year. Yeah, um, you know people are talking about him as potentially being the top running back in the class. He's in I, the mix, I, right? I mean, he's a true I, I, junior. I, I do have some questions if he's a legit four four guy at six two two hundred and twenty five pounds. We've seen guys come out of Arkansas that big, like Niall Davis. Yeah, that were that fast, and and they do have a a, a good uh, interior offensive lineman who we saw last year uh, while we watched their center. Who his name is escaping me right now, but he we really liked him um, as well. But Bo Limmer is a you know is a guard prospect to watch, um, and so and then they've got a really intriguing corner. That that is going to get tested, and, and and the reason I say intriguing is because he's six two one eighty. Um, he had four interceptions and ten passes defense last year, and that's du- Dwight McLothern. Uh, McLothern. Um, he had it right the first time. Yeah, so he's a you know a good size guy. Um, if he can, if he's legitimately sub four five, you know he'll be somebody to kind of watch uh, this year in the SEC going up against the top top receivers in the in the conference because this is a team that you expect to put up points, right? Then and their defense lost a lot um, last year, and it wasn't very good to begin with. And Seth, uh, the center you were thinking of that came out this past year was Ricky Stromberg. That was a guy yeah. that we really liked. Um, back to Raheem Sanders too for the fantasy guys because the fantasy guys a lot of times drive their running back talk. Um, he was uh, Raheem Sanders is a player who caught twenty eight passes last year too, so he's no slouch. When you talk about like can he play in the passing game and whatnot, you know he's a big guy like you said and. He he can not only run the ball out of the backfield, but he can catch a pass. You know, 39 catches in two years, 28 last year, and he's got three receiving touchdowns the last two years. So for, I, I look at him as a versatile guy. I, I legitimately think Raheem Sanders could be the number one running back in the class, and I'm saying as an Ohio State guy and with Travion Henderson in this draft, who I think is ultra-talented and who, um, you know, underachieved last year because of injury i think this is going to be my favorite team this year and that's that's old miss um <laughs> isn't it uh, that's always everyone's favorite team because lane I kiffin it's, it has nothing to do with lane kiffin i i love this offense but i'm really intrigued if it's gonna do you, it's gonna be jackson dart right like it has to be doesn't it as far as i know that's who they're going with at quarterback yeah i mean dart you know is is a guy that has been around was he a five-star uh, I think, I think he, he was, was only a four star. Okay. He might have been. Um, Is that you know, USC? He got, he got yeah. And then he, then he went to Ole Miss. He, he you know he was okay last year. Uh, sub sixty three percent completion percentage, less than three thousand yards, uh, twenty touchdowns, eleven interceptions, and they bring in a really savvy veteran. And I don't understand why Spencer Sanders transferred there <laughs> at, at all. Well, Dart. Doesn't Dart have another year after this? Yeah, he does. Yeah. And, and Sanders isn't, you know, a great passer, but he's been around a long time. Right. And he makes a lot of plays. 
Um, and then they've got this like five star kid that's like twelve <laughs> that uh, reclassed instead of being a twenty twenty five recruit and is now a twenty three recruit, and he's coming in. He's definitely going to redshirt. But they've got. I mean, they brought in a ton of guys. They brought in Walker Howard from LSU. Yeah. He was a four or five star recruit. Yeah. So I I feel like uh, Lane's just kind of stacking the deck at wide receiver and is going to or at, at quarterback. quarterback yeah gonna see what sticks but he's also doing it wide receiver right like one of our favorite guys from last year uh zachariah i think it's zakari zakari franklin transferred in from from utsa had a had a huge shameless plug we talked about us utsa on the patreon last we did yep and and we've talked about franklin before um he he put up Massive numbers last year, 94 receptions, over 1,100 yards, 15 touchdowns. The year before that, he had 81, over 1,012. So he could be a guy that, you know, gets on radars finally um, in terms of big draft. And Kiffin does a good job of getting guys involved that come from, you know, he had, um, was it Drummond a couple years ago? I think he was a Juco guy. Well, and even like Malik Heath came over from, Mississippi State mm-hmm. and put up 60 and 971 last right. year. Right. You know, out caught Jonathan Mingo, who got drafted pretty high. Second round, yeah. Yeah. So They're getting receivers drafted there. It's not Ohio State level, but it's um, legitimate. You know, it's something to keep your eye on. And, and they do have another one as well, Trey Harris from Louisiana Tech, and he's a different type of receiver. Franklin is uh, – I th- think they list him at what six one, hundred ninety pounds, hundred eighty pounds, um, and then Trey is six two and like two oh five, so he's more of that kind of thicker. I'm not comparing him, but like you know, more of that Debo Samuel type of guy, right? That kind of slot, slot, big slot build, yeah. And then and yeah, so- you mentioned uh, Quinchon Judkins on your show sheet. He's a true sophomore, but that kid. Blue yeah, we'll up talking last ab- year. Yeah, we'll be talking about him uh, next year. Yeah, and if you're in, huge. if you're in these dynasty leagues and you have a uh, Devi draft, that's a player probably in your top five. Yeah, I mean we're talking over fifteen hundred yards and sixteen touchdowns as a freshman. Yep, like a true freshman. So he's a he's going to be a freak. Not shocking. Not a lot of defense to talk about with Ole Miss, right? No. <laughs> We got three teams left in this. So, when are Texas and Oklahoma showing up next year? I know, right? Right. Next year we'll have the the SE sixteen or whatever. But so let me ask you this: Why is Texas A and M number three in this conf in this uh, division? <laughs> I mean, you talked about it earlier. Yeah, three through seven, and and maybe we're being a little nice to Auburn and, and Mississippi State. But three through five with Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. Well, maybe because A&M has a veteran quarterback with Max Johnson, but um, and you know maybe. They but think is that's... he going to start? Did they name him the starter? As far as I know, I I do not know. I don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be. So many of these teams. I mean, even Ohio State to this point is keeping it close to the vest. We don't even know who's starting at Ohio State. And it's yeah. August. We're taping. It's August twenty first. 
Yeah, but, I um, just I literally just googled and it says the quarterback battle between Connor Wegman and Max Johnson is still going. Yeah, and, but the thing honest, is, you th- this Wegman is why Texas A and M. This is why Texas A and M is three, because if you look at the draft sites, they've got more than a dozen guys that are considered draftable, right? Well, and you look at it, they might have the you know one of the top centers in the in the draft, Bryce Foster, a guy I've talked about before. Yeah. He's a massive dude, 6'5", 325. Um, they've got two more draftable linemen, uh, Ruben Fathertree, who's listed at 6'8", 325. <laughs> what a name. And, yeah, and Layden Robinson, who's 6'4", 330. We know that they produce beefy offensive linemen. We talked about it with Kenyon Green a couple years ago. Like, they they don't have the super lean athletic guys but yeah. they do have they have they've got maulers yeah they have some big dudes and that they've works got, in, in college you know yeah, they, we talk about moving those guys to guard or right tackle and we're usually right about that by the way if you look at the way some of these uh, guys that we've talked about over the years are playing you know so, uh, for example uh, Jonah Williams we said was probably best suited for guard or right tackle. That's I think that's where the Bengals have him right now. We said Dewan Jones was right tackle only. He's looking pretty good. So I mean, yeah, we. I think we've been doing pretty well on the O line takes. They've got a couple intriguing corners. Tony Grimes, five star recruit. Yeah, and allegedly a four three guy transfer from North Carolina. And he, then uh, he was highly sought after too. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And then Tyreek Chappell, who's been the more productive guy uh, in interception and pass defense uh, as a as a uh, fra- uh, freshman and then eight passes defense last year. But, you know, he's going to be interesting because they list him at 5'11", 185, and they're usually a little generous with their listings at, at A&M. So he <laughs> might be a guy that's, you know, 5'10", 175, and he does look lean. Um, and then they've got, you know, they've got a good couple good guys on, along the line. Shamar, Shamar Turner, uh, another one of those big guys. Oh, who's the guy there a couple years ago? Uh, oh, he plays for Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he's the same build, 6'4", 300 pounds. They've got an interior guy, McKinley Jackson. It was DeMarvin Leal. As yeah, DeMarvin Leal. Yeah. yeah, Shamar Turner is. It takes like me a that. minute now that I'm 45. <laughs> McKinley, <laughs> McKinley Jackson is a, a fire plug, if you will, at 6'2", 325 pounds. But the guy I really like, and I'm really surprised doesn't get more talk, is Edgerin Cooper. He's their linebacker. He makes plays all over the field. Um you know, he, he led the way, eight tackles for loss, five passes defense, and a forced fumble last year. He's kind of their big playmaker. What, why aren't got, people talking more about Mushin Muhammad III? His father was a really productive um, receiver in the NFL, and usually people love NFL bloodlines, and this and, guy's and being projected a, as like a fifth-round pick. And he had a good – he's had a good, you know – start to his career yeah. he, he retroded 2020 so he's you know, a junior yeah he's a junior maybe they're so just thinking he's not coming out yeah right and then uh but he was good then, last year right and then a guy that was getting a lot of hype and then his his size and inability to stay on the field came up and that was uh aeneas smith yeah i still and, really like him 
and, you know, so we'll see how he stays. He only was able to play in four games last year, I believe. Uh, you know, and, and so he's a guy to watch because he's another one of those track guys for, for A&M. You know? That's what I was going to say. we got to look at his speed because uh, this is the same program that produced A-Chain. And I know uh, Devin A- uh, I'm sorry, Devon A-Chain, now with the Dolphins. And um, he ended up going later than I think you. You and I both liked A-Chain a lot, right, because of his right. explosive speed. That, that's looking like a good call. It's preseason, but we'll see. Um, but Aeneas Smith was a, a guy came out running out of the gates as a freshman and then really, really played well as a sophomore, then really transitioned more to being a receiver. Um, but you, if you look at the production where he was on track for, um, you know, the last couple of years, four, the last three years really, getting four catches a game, like versatile guy, a player who I think is going to be – I don't want to say a better NFL player than a college player, but a player who is going to land on an NFL team that's going to have a really specific idea of how to use him. And I think that's the kind of player he is. Next up we have LSU. Um, you know, this is this is the Bama um, basically – they're getting the benefit of the doubt, right? Because LSU returns a bevy of veterans, um, including their quarterback, Jaden Daniels. And Bama has a lot of questions that we, you know, we've asked and talked about, uh, you know, especially on the offensive side of things. You know, LSU finished 10-4. and four. They were 16th in the a- AP. Um, they, they embarrassed Purdue in a bowl game. Uh, to kind of, I saw that in person. Yeah, to kind of show <laughs> that they weren't happy with how that worked out. To be and fair, Purdue didn't play anybody, but I don't think uh, Jaden Daniels played that much either. And and so now you've got you know, like I said, Daniels return. You return Malik Neighbors, who's probably going to be a potential first round wide receiver. Um, you know, they've got some intriguing guys like Chris Hilton and and things like that. But, man, their defense looks legitimate, led by uh, Mason Smith, Mason with two A's, Smith, who didn't play last year. I mean, he played a, a handful of plays in the first game, blew out his knee. Uh, but, man, he, he was – He blew out his knee uh, Bill Grammatica style, remember? Yeah. He, and, he was kind of celebrating. And you hate to see that because it was such – it was like – it wasn't over the top. He was playing air guitar or something. He just like hopped up to celebrate a teammate's tackle for loss, and when he landed, it buckled. But yeah. Seth, you and I talked about this all the time, every year. Big men like that, lower leg injury. That's kind of bad, right? Yeah, and we and, worry about that. But he's still getting talked about as a, you know a top fifteen guy. And so if he produces or comes back and can play that way, you combine him with uh, Makai Wingo, the other defensive line prospect, who's, again, one of those guys, six foot 295. And I'll say he this real a- quick before you get into Wingo. Mason Smith, we, you and I are not always high on interior line early in the draft, right? But 
Didn't Mason Smith look like he could be like a Chris Jones type? Yeah, as a and that was as a true freshman and as a recruit, as a true freshman, right? Yeah, so he hit five tackles for loss and four sacks it's, as a true freshman. It's like really a, important that this guy gets healthy because he right. could be one of those like really dominant interior line types. Well, and they've got a guy that we're not even going to talk about in, in Harold Perkins, right? That he's a sophomore, be, right? Yeah, yeah. That could be another one. He of these flies guys. around linebacker. Yeah, Thirteen tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks yeah. last year. And so if if Smith can be healthy, if uh, if Wingo kind of takes that next step, you're talking about a defense. Now, did you did you mention uh, Wingo's um, measurables? <laughs> they list him at six foot. They said he's up to two ninety five now. Okay. So we'll so. see if he's legitimately over. He should be a pit. He'd be a first yeah, round right. pick. I know. They've got two draftable corners in Zy Alexander, who uh, transferred in from southeast Louisiana, and uh, Darian Chestnut. And then, you know, we mentioned Perkins, but Omar Spates is another, you know, good linebacker. Really good. Yeah, solid guy. And so, you know, this is just a team. Their running back situation, too, is like they're going to have a big committee, but they're all pretty good, too. Right, and I think Armani Goodwin's really the only draftable one right now, yeah. right? Like, he's the only one. I don't know what happened kind of, to John Emery. Is he off the team forever? I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. He missed, I think he missed last year with academic uh, probation or something, which you almost never see this day and age. <laughs> right. But uh, form, he was a former five-star running back, so we'll see if he shows back up. And they got Noah Kane, who was a, fourth, uh, a four-star recruit, going to Penn State, I believe, and um, was pretty productive last year in short yardage and, and things like that. Right. And and so, you know, you look at it, they're, they're fairly loaded. I like LSU. I think they're going to win this division. Well, and that's what the question is. Is it going to be LSU or an Alabama team that has question marks – I Everywhere think the team that wins this division of, could have two losses easily, maybe even three. Yeah. When you look at it, Bama, you know, Bama's number one, and they've they've got the unquestioned guys, right? Kool-Aid McKinstry, Dallas Turner, Terrian Arnold, Malachi Moore, Chris Braswell, Tim Smith. All those guys are defensive guys. After a year where their defense wasn't very Alabama-ish, right? Um but those guys all played last year too. Yeah, and but they were young. I mean, well, Turner all... though, we talked about Turner um, on an earlier show this summer. You saw a big drop off in pass rush production, and well, and, um, and to be fair, we're talking about they went to ninth overall in the country. <laughs> right. So like, it's not like we're talking. Like, no, no, they, no. This is still a really, really good team, strong program. But but it was like you said. But it was McKinstry a couple... too. I mean, he was criticized. He was blowing some coverages. Like people yeah. were down on him. Bama fans, well, not me. Like right. I still think he's a fantastic. I mean, how can you not take a guy like a guy named Kool Aid has to go in the first round? That's a rule. Right. Well, and you look at it. They only lost two games last year. But I think it was, I think it was how they lost those games. You know, the Tennessee lost... loss was was a big black mark. I think yeah. on their season. But, but even that LSU loss was a little bit surprising giving up 32 um points you know and and bryce young you know he didn't play how dare you that game how dare you know 
Well, I mean, 25 for 51, man. Like, I that's mean, a, like, that's a tough game. How's he looking in preseason? Uh, trying to get over the line. That's yeah. all I saw. <laughs> I'm just so, kidding. Uh, these rookie quarterbacks, we don't, we're not preseason scouting. Yeah, but uh, they Trust also have, me. you know, a guy in J.C. Latham who's probably going to get picked in the first round along the I love him. line. I think he's he's going to be a stud. Uh, I think he's better than uh, the last couple guys they've had come out. Uh, he Latham looks like a more athletic guy. Um, who is Dude, the, they list him? At, they list him at six six three thirty, and he's supposed to be sub four nine. Right? Who was the the guy two years ago? Neil. Yeah, Evan yeah. Neil. This guy's Latham's better than him, and he was hyped up as a potential like first overall or second overall pick. Latham you, is better. If you listen to everything we talked about, and you know, football guys can always say, "Well, you know, defense and offensive line wins championships," but. Every position we talked about was, you know, corner, pass rusher, offensive line. Like, you you don't start to talk about the skill players or um, – and, and we don't know who's going to be the quarterback. And those questions It sounds are, like it's going to be Jalen Milrow, though. So they're going to go young. Well, I think Buckner is, what, a redshirt sophomore? The transfer from Notre Dame. He's a junior or a sophomore. Milrow, I think, is also the same grade. Right. He's a redshirt sophomore. Okay. Um, but they just like what they've seen out of him. And from what I've heard out of Bama's program and what I've read is uh, Milrow, Ty Simmons, and then Buckner. Whereas when we talked about it earlier in the offseason, it seemed like it was going to be Buckner. Yeah, and we you know we wondered that because of um, Tommy Reese being there now and and things right. like that, but it's going to be interesting because you know the skill they had a weird they had a weird flux at Bama where they had everything and they were winning all the natties, and then they had these elite skill guys with with uh, Bryce Young you know and Jamison Williams and. It, but, then, but that almost like not to cut you off again, but that go, kind of goes to your point, right? Like they this started to crack two years ago because they had to bring in Ohio State's fourth string receiver or fourth receiver, I should say. He becomes their top receiver, and then they have, you know, they have uh, Jacory Brooks who looks like a good player. But you saw JoJo Earl transferred out; he went to TCU. So you've got questions at receiver. Now you've got, um, well, I'll, I'll save running back talk for next, but now you've got questions at uh, quarterback. It's kind of weird to see Bama in this position. Right. It just seems like. And you don't it, see Georgia like this, and you don't see Ohio State like this. So this is a weird year for Bama. Well, it just seems like everything got off kilter somehow. Like you said, the, the receiver room – after Devontae Smith left. Right. Um, you know, then the running back room all of a sudden. Uh, they had to bring in Jameer Gibbs to fill in that. They've got a guy. That's another th- uh, another point, Seth. They're, they're heavy on the transfer portal. And I think less so on recruiting, it seems. Is that weird? Yeah. I mean, and Jace McClellan's a guy they recruited. Yeah. He's, he's their top back. You know, and he's kind of the old school Bama back, 
getting his turn his senior year, right? Like, that's what we used to see, right? And McClellan looks like a good, really good player. Yeah, and he seems like a, a, a guy that's going to end up being like a third-round pick, uh, maybe a fourth-round pick. He might, he might win the Heisman this year. They might I just know, ride right? him. Well, they might need to, and but the question becomes, you know, because they have Latham, but real quick, just, look up the odds on that. <laughs> all right, they, but they just—I mean, it's weird to me, man. It's weird that a team in LSU who has more sure thing is probably—I mean, you can never say sure thing, but I mean, LSU won last year. Or right. beat Alabama. They beat had. Alabama, yeah. They're in year two of Brian Kelly. They have, you know, less question marks at, at a lot of positions. Um, I just feel like this is and, – and by the way, Bama went 11-2. LSU went, I think, 9-4, and 10-4. and 10-4, and yeah. Yeah. You know, and you just – you look at it and you say this is out – this is – this is them going, Nick Saban's going to figure it out. Yeah, right? I, I, mean, I was just going to say that. I mean, this is a testament to Nick Saban, the fact that people think Bama's going to win this division with all the question marks we have. And we're probably, you know, I'll admit it, we're probably overlooking some of the strength that they have uh, in their recruiting or in their transfer portal pickups. But it's weird to see, to me, it's weird to see Alabama losing guys through the portal um, that were four and five star guys, and then um, trying to plug holes at the top position in the whole sport, quarterback, and um, trying to plug holes at receiver, which we've seen as arguably become the second or third most important spot on the offense. And well, and they and to be fair, they did have the number one recruiting class this year. They so always they do. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but it's, so we'll see. I, I mean, but, that. what do but, we say about recruiting ratings? I mean, I think we, we think they're pretty important. It's pretty important to have the most four- and five-star guys. Obviously, those are the top programs. But it it's weird that they – how do they have the top recruiting class and they have these question marks at quarterback and receiver? Well, but to be fair, too, like they – they got the twelfth best and sixteenth best quarterback in their in in this class. They were number one, in spite of not really getting a corner or a quarterback. You know, they mm-hmm. they ended up with with two guys on defense and and then the top or one of the top offensive line guys. But you know, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. Which is what we usually see from Bama. I was right? going to say like, that's what it is. They are consistently fantastic at stacking their offensive line and their defensive front seven. And they put out first-rounders on O-line and D-line and linebacker all the time. So for all the times we joke about and we talk about this position doesn't matter, they all matter in college football. Yep. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no, uh, just uh, we'll figure out. We're going to probably preview week zero on Patreon this week. Hopefully we get around to it. We'll see yeah. what pops if it up. Does, if it doesn't happen Wednesday, it ain't happening this week. <laughs> we'll recap it next week. If we don't yeah, preview exactly. it, we'll recap it. But, uh, it, you know, it should be fun, and, and we're excited. We got, we're excited we got through the SEC. <laughs> I think that was the big. I'm extremely excited for week zero. I mean, uh, 
we have uh don't we have Ohio U playing San Diego State this weekend? Yeah, big big uh, group of five game to st- to kick the year off, baby. You know the OU Bobcats are my adopted team thanks to my lovely wife. But uh, and we just found out that uh, Curtis Rourke, their star quarterback, his brother Nathan is playing lights out for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars in the preseason. He's going to probably stick as their third quarterback. But Curtis Rourke is back from a torn ACL in lightning speed. And they're playing San Diego State. That's a they're at San Diego State. That's going to be a fun game to watch. And it's at uh, seven p.m. Eastern time. If you're yep. unfortunately living on the Eastern time zone, because I I would hate to be you. You have to stay up late to watch those games. Seth and I get to enjoy <laughs> a little earlier stoppage time on those. But yep. we got Notre Dame and uh, Navy at one thirty p.m. Oh, I'm sorry, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, too. That's probably the biggest draw. And you also got uh, San Jose State and USC. So we'll try and preview those games later this week. Um, hope we can get to it. I'm pretty sure we can. But um, if not, thanks for listening. And we always appreciate you, whether you subscribe to the Patreon or not. We still like doing the show. So thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Yep, thanks as always for listening. We'll be back hopefully later this week with another episode. Have a good night, everybody.